This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 3, Episode 12. On this episode, we'll be talking about how to receive criticism, whether that's constructive criticism or less than constructive. We'll be covering how to process feedback that maybe makes you feel sick, how to glean what you can from it, and to keep it from completely consuming you for days on end. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. I went back and forth on whether or not to tell this particular story. And I want to make it clear that I'm not sharing about this encounter for the sake of gossip. We all have bad days, no doubt. But I decided in favor of including it on this episode because this was one of those, what I tend to call a put a pin in it moment. Um, and, And those are usually moments that include, those are always moments that include some kind of drastic change. For this particular story, it was a mindset shift. uh, And it changed how I receive feedback moving forward. So I'm sharing this story to illustrate how sometimes even the most negative experiences can result in something really positive. And I think that that's helpful to remember when you're in the midst of a really difficult situation, that there is the potential for enormous growth waiting for you on the other side. A few years ago, I received a phone call from a photographer that I had previously worked under um, as an assistant and a second shooter, and they had called me to share some grievances that they had with me, but not in a professional constructive criticism type of way. It was um, it, it was pretty much just straight verbal abuse. There were sentiments shared such as, you're ridiculous, your business is a joke, you are not the high-end photographer that you claim to be. Um, It was a pretty extensive list. It was pretty personal, too. I was mocked for liking Harry Potter. Um, I think they also said that I was basic because I love Paris. I can't remember everything that was said, but I do remember being told that I am a, I got this in a text message after the call was over, that I'm a subpar photographer who hides behind teaching because my work can't stand on its own. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, and I'm, I'm really glad about that, but I certainly didn't laugh in the moment. I got the call while I was in the car with Matt. We were actually coming back from like one of my favorite engagement sessions that I'd ever photographed. So I was riding the high, and we got this call, um, and Matt could hear everything that this person was saying. It wasn't even on speakerphone. That's how loud they were talking. And uh, Matt told me later that day that he was beginning to panic the longer that this person talked because he could hear their words, and everything they were throwing at me were thoughts that I had voiced about myself to Matt in the past. So when the venom started to just spew forth on the phone, I told this person, if you continue speaking to me like this, I'm going to need to hang up the phone. And the response was, okay, well, then I'll just go blast this all over the internet instead. I eventually ended the phone call after seven and a half minutes because... Uh, I mean, at that there was no resolution to be had. It was nothing more than slander at that point. And after ending the call, I just sat there in the car in silence feeling sicker than sick to my stomach. I was sure that this was going to be the end of my, my ability to photograph weddings in D.C., that I was sure this person was going to do what they said they were going to do and tell every wedding planner in the district not to work with me because that was one of the threats on the phone. But within a few hours and after talking to several other professionals in the industry and um, talking with Matt back and forth, I came to a realization that that phone call was bizarre. 
it's one thing to let somebody know that you're upset to you know, maybe have a genuine issue that needs to be resolved, but it's another thing to call and really just assassinate their character. I'm still not totally clear on why they called. We never spoke again. Um, so it's not fair for me to try to assume their intention, but I think that it is safe to say that the words that were coming from their mouth probably weren't fueled by a desire for good, <laughs> since all those words did was attempt to tear me down. Real quick, photographers, are you tired of lather, rinse, and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brain session to the next? If you're ready to turn yawn-worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed, then you're definitely gonna wanna join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty, but who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist, but you have to have both pieces of that equation and learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's gonna leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class. I'm not opposed to constructive criticism, and that doesn't mean that I like it, but I recognize that criticism can point out blind spots that are holding us back, or they can help us see where we've hurt somebody and, and help to make it right. The word constructive means serving a useful purpose, tending to build up. It may not feel good to receive constructive criticism, but it's still helpful or it's intended to be helpful. Destructive criticism, though, is not meant for your good. It is simply an outlet for someone else to get something off their chest, to let you know that they're angry and that they believe that you wronged them in some kind of way. And honestly, I feel like in those situations, in destructive criticism type of situations, what they say often says more about them than it does about you. Destructive criticism tears down without offering any way to build back up. So if you've received some feedback that makes you feel sick, maybe even makes you feel like an imposter, the first thing that we need to do here is decipher whether this is constructive or destructive feedback. Is this being said for my good? Will this help me serve my clients better in the future? Will this improve the product or the service that I offer? Or is maybe this person's just really angry or, or they're scared or whatever they're feeling and they're choosing to spew that in my direction? Secondly, you need to examine the source of the criticism. I'm really choosy about who I ask for and receive feedback from. Not because I only want to hear the good stuff. I want to hear honest feedback. But I also usually want to hear it from people who know my industry, who know my business, maybe who even know my offer. If I'm looking for feedback on an idea for a new course, 
I'm going to ask other course creators and I'm also going to have a few conversations with people inside my target audience. I am not going to take that idea and pitch it to my mom, my cousin, my next door neighbor, or my best friend. And that's not because I don't think that they're smart or that, that they couldn't necessarily offer valuable feedback. But that's because I need feedback from people who know the landscape and are who are most likely to purchase the product from me. My mom will tell me anything that I pitch to her is, is a good idea because my mom loves me and believes in me, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she can spot the holes in an offer. So I wanna consider who is it that I'm getting this feedback and are they maybe qualified to, to give me this type of criticism? Think of it this way, I love growing flowers. I have 25 to 30 dahlia plants growing in my garden right now. I planted 35 tubers at the beginning of spring, which means that with only 25 to 30 of them having sprouted, that means five to 10 of them never came up. So who is the best person to ask for help on why those tubers never sprouted? Is it gonna be like a friend from church who doesn't have any experience working with flowers? Or would I be better off asking my neighbor who has a flourishing garden? When it comes to soliciting feedback, be careful who you ask. You want to make sure that they are qualified to speak into whatever area you are seeking feedback on. If it's unsolicited feedback, maybe it's an email from a client who's upset or, you know, a nasty call from another photographer, you still need to ask, is this person qualified to give input here? If it is a client, then yes. they If they paid for your services, regardless of whether or not you find their complaints to be valid, that is not something that you simply brush off that does require a response. Pro tip, if this feedback is coming from an anonymous poster on social media, and especially if it's super negative in nature, you can go ahead and chuck that in the bin. I very rarely take feedback from people that I don't know and trust, and I certainly don't accept vitriol thrown by people who hide behind private Instagram profiles. So if you've gotten some troll comments or nasty stuff being thrown at you on social media and it's not anybody that you know and it's not anybody that's ever purchased from you, it's just someone being unkind, like in YouTube comments, you can just go ahead and disregard those. After you've categorized it as constructive or destructive and you've examined the source, then the next step is to try and discern their motivation if we're talking about unsolicited feedback or criticism. Obviously, if you've asked for some, someone for feedback and they give it to you, then their motivation is they're trying, they're probably trying to help you. So if it's unsolicited, do they reach out maybe because they noticed an area where you could stand to grow? Are they hoping that you can resolve a frustration that they've been having or maybe a mistake that they believe that you made? Um, are they just mad and looking to vent? From what you can tell, what was their purpose in reaching out? And I also like yeah, examine that, but also be careful about making any assumptions. Sometimes there's stuff going on beneath the surface and it's just coming out in the form of criticism, but there's, there's something that has nothing to do with you that's going on. And so if you can try to discern the motivation, like what else could be true here is a question I often like to ask. That can help to broaden your perspective and help you see things you may not have otherwise seen, but also stay away from making any strong assumptions about what you think they're trying to achieve in the end because you just don't know until we ask some more questions. Next, I'm going to ask you to separate your business from your character. This is most likely not about you as a human being. This probably isn't personal. It is business. So given that it's not personal, thinking about your business as an entity, not your identity, is there any truth to the feedback? 
I know the gut reaction can be to shout, absolutely not. You know, go on the defense and say, well, they're just being mean. Our businesses are so personal, and especially as artists, when our work is a handcrafted, one-of-a-kind outpouring of the unique God-given gifts that you have, it can be really, really hard to separate your feelings of personal worth from a complaint about your products or services. I get it. I really, really do. This is the biggest struggle for me when I get less than amazing feedback. I end up questioning whether I should be in business at all, whether I'm a failure as a mom as well as being a failure as a business owner. And side note, if that sounds like you, please, please go listen to season three, episode two. It's called Go Home Imposter Syndrome, You're Drunk, and it's one of my favorite episodes. So put aside your personal feelings of self-worth and examine this from all sides. Is there any truth to the criticism? Sometimes there isn't, but sometimes there is. Sometimes there's a nugget of truth that's, you know, hard to see at first because maybe it's coming out as anger. But if you if you pull away the emotions and you stare at the facts of the issue, like, is there any truth to it? Maybe a mistake was made on your part or maybe you did fail to execute a part of your obligation. And if so, then that does need to be addressed. Sometimes you will get feedback that is subjective and that can be really tough to do anything with because it's just a matter of differing opinions, not necessarily a matter of somebody being at fault. I had a parent of one of my grooms a few years ago, um, a few days after the wedding, they told me that they didn't like the background that I chose for family formals. I got a phone call about it. I was bummed to hear that they were disappointed, but at the same time, that was simply a matter of opinion. I chose the best spot that I could given the constraints, and I was really proud of what we came up with. So I thanked them for their feedback, but I didn't feel any need to compensate them or send an expensive gift to make up for it. I knew I had done my job well, and while I would never want to disappoint anybody, especially a parent of the bride or the groom, it was truly a matter of artistic opinion. It was a subjective opinion. You want to try to think about it again from their perspective. Even if you still feel they're wrong, looking at it from their point of view can help to engender empathy. And empathy is really, really important when you are at loggerheads with somebody else. It doesn't necessarily change the final outcome, but if I can keep in mind that the person on the other end is a real person with human feelings and human flaws and human insecurities and human desires then it becomes easier to weather the criticism without curling into a ball. And it can help you see a solution that you may not have seen otherwise. So similar to that last question, is there any truth to the criticism? You also want to examine whether there's anything you can use from this experience to help you grow. So if it's a situation like I recounted earlier at the top of the episode, someone simply spewing venom, then maybe the how can I grow from this doesn't come from the content of the criticism. Maybe the growth there is in how you process the feedback, or maybe it's a mindset shift, or maybe you learn better how to avoid or mitigate that kind of situation in the future. For me, when that photographer called and proceeded to bash me, at first I was crushed. My initial reaction was, oh my gosh, they're right. I am a total fraud. My business is a joke. But when I paused to think about how crazy that whole phone call was, I realized That behavior was truly not normal. And how is it, Abby, that you believe those unkind words when you say them to yourself in your own head, but when this other person says them, I can recognize that as bullying, as like verbal abuse. Like, dang, maybe that internal voice I've been listening to, the one that's told me to play small and not dream too big, maybe that's not actually my gut or wisdom speaking. I think that might actually be imposter syndrome, which means that, gosh, None of these things that I've been saying to myself are true. (laughs) 
And what a gift that was to be able to recognize imposter syndrome at work. I had never even considered that before. I'm not saying that imposter syndrome doesn't still creep up sometimes, but because of that situation, because that that unkind voice that was in my head was presented in such a tactile manner, I'm able to catch it a lot faster than before and prevent a lot of the damage that it could do if I simply took those thoughts as gospel truth, as my conscience trying to look out for me, you know, like imposter syndrome does. Once you've examined the source and you've done your best to discern the motivation, you've considered whether there's any truth to the criticism, and you've looked for ways to grow as a result of the feedback you've received, the final step in that equation is being above reproach in your response. Being above reproach means that no criticism can be made of how you've responded. That, for example, if your email were to be screenshotted and shared on social media, that no reasonable person could find fault with how you responded. This means not responding in anger, not going on the defense, not trying to wound them because you were hurt by their words. So the best way to ensure that you're above reproach is to, number one, if you can, wait 24 hours before sending a response. This only works if the issue is not time sensitive. If you shared a photo on social media that a client doesn't like of themselves and they write you to ask you to take it down, respond swiftly to that. Don't wait 24 hours. Your speedy response is going to help them see that you took their feedback seriously. If it's not time sensitive, I do strongly encourage waiting for 24 hours to help you consider your response, to mull over whether the tone is neutral enough and to make sure you're not simply reacting. We wanna respond, not react. Responding is a thoughtful, deliberate answer to another's actions or words, whereas reacting is knee-jerk, it's instinctive, it's typically immediate and often rash. Responding requires discipline and maturity, of being able to examine a situation and determine what would be helpful here, not just what would make me feel better. Number two, if a response is necessary, have someone else who thinks with a cool head read your response. Read it out loud to them. If you sound angry, pull back on emotive language or anything that implies extremes, like you were super hard to work with or it was very difficult to get any sort of answer out of you before your shoot. I have two to three go-to friends that I call when I need to not sound mad in an email, and it's always helpful to run my responses by them to make sure it's coming across professionally, and again, that it is above reproach. I'll say this, if there's any sort of contract obligation in question, maybe someone is accusing you of failing to fulfill your duties or they're threatening action, this is where you would absolutely be best to contact an attorney. I know that sounds scary, but you're much better off paying to run your response by a lawyer than potentially sticking your foot in your mouth and needing to pay out an unnecessary amount of money because someone feels that you admitted fault when that was not what you intended to do. Number three, as upset as you might be, especially if it's destructive feedback whose only purpose is to make you feel small, do not post on social media unless this is a crisis management or damage control move that requires a public response. Firstly, we're not going to post on social media because it's unprofessional and it's not going to reflect well on you even if you are in the right. Stirring the pot breeds so much negative energy. I don't know about you guys, but anytime I've read through comment sections where there's like some kind of conflict going on or people bashing one another, I feel like I need a shower afterwards. And those thoughts, they bounce around my head for hours afterwards, just such negative energy. So if your only purpose in posting is to make somebody else look bad, even if they totally deserve it, it does not serve to then make you look good. 
And secondly, because that's a liability waiting to happen. There were two instances about 10 years ago where I posted negative content and I still regret it. I'm not still paying for it, but I still look back at that and like, oh, Abby, I wish you had done better. The first was a snarky blog post that was directed towards pushy wedding guests with cameras because I was frustrated that my shots kept getting interrupted by excited guests. Um, I didn't look at it from their perspective like I've just advised you to do. I was only looking at how it was bothering me, so I wrote a blog post about it. Um, It was not constructive. It was just a way for me to vent, and I got some flack for that post in my blog commenters who were normally super kind and super supportive, uh, and my mentor called me out for it. And the second instance was when someone left uh, some like trolly comments on my blog telling me that I had no business hosting this Q&A night for photographers, and I blasted them on Facebook. I didn't name them, but I just blasted them on my Facebook business page. And the other photographer that I was co-hosting that Q&A night with, she called me to let me know she was not comfortable with that negative ridiculing tone of my post, and she asked me to take it down because it reflected poorly on her. And I realized at that point in business that entrepreneurs and artists who mock or put down others, those are the ones I tend to stay away from because there's something about them that feels almost unsafe. Like what's to keep them from mocking me? Like I'd probably be better off going with someone who doesn't post that kind of stuff online. And as an educator, I want to be a safe person. I want to be a safe resource to learn from. So that then means that my content should either educate or uplift, never put down. The only time I do recommend posting online is if there's some kind of public element to whatever's unfolding. If others have had an audience to what's been going on and it would be either awkward or inappropriate to not say something. For example, several years ago, there was uh, a vendor who had been called out for plagiarism and the callouts had been pretty loud and pretty unkind and the backlash was severe. But the offending vendor wrote a blog post owning the fact that they were wrong and apologizing to the injured parties. That is an appropriate time to share publicly because apologizing privately to the individuals affected but then staying silent on their public channels had the potential to do more damage when there were so many tongues that were wagging about the issue. Negative feedback totally sucks, no matter how you slice it. It feels like you swallowed a rock and it can ruin a perfectly good day, maybe even several days. But you have to learn to separate that from your character. Remember, negative feedback should be viewed from the perspective of a business entity, not your identity. And I promise when it happens to you, you will feel better soon, even if you are at fault and the criticism is valid. When you first get that email or text or phone call, you're not going to be able to think about anything else at first. But for the sake of your business and your sanity, you have to be able to compartmentalize it and move past it so that you can keep working on growing your business. If you let it consume you past the point of needing to reconcile the situation, you're facing a bigger consequence than whatever it takes to make the situation better. You're losing focus and work hours. You might be losing confidence, which can wreak havoc on your ability to serve your other clients really well. If the issue requires a response, address the problem and then put it aside and move on with your day. Dwelling on it, ruminating, turning it over and over in your brain and replaying the worst bits of criticism, trust me, I know, that will rob you of joy and it will prevent you from being present with the people that you love around you. Obsessing is not productive. If you find yourself circling the drain, come up with a go-to activity to disrupt your thought patterns. Maybe every time you catch yourself ruminating, you turn on your favorite song. 
might I recommend I Just Came to Say Hello because Felix and I have a dance party to that every morning or the song Hey Juliet by LMNT or Dancing Queen or some super angry electronic dubstep song, whatever helps you shake out the negative energy. When that phone call came a few years ago, that photographer's voice replayed in my mind over and over again for three weeks afterwards. Anytime it got quiet, uh, anytime I would like go out for a run or when I'd lay down to go to sleep, I heard their words bouncing around my head. So I learned to combat it by memorizing and then mentally shouting Psalm 23 to myself to drown out their voice. You know, the one, it's the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, etc. And if just reciting it wasn't enough, like if I got to the end of the verse and I was still thinking about those words, then I would go back and recite it again and see and like dwell and marinate on each of the lines, like see if there was any new meaning or comfort that I could glean from those verses. I knew their criticism wasn't valid, but those words still wanted to stick around my head and wreak havoc, and I was determined not to let them do it. So find a song or a verse or memorize a monologue or Google your favorite Ted Lasso gifs, whatever you need to do to disrupt that pattern so that you can get back to working on the things that matter most. If you know someone who needs to hear this episode, do me a favor and send it, do, do them a favor and send it over to them. One of the hardest parts of receiving criticism can be the feeling that you were the only one who's ever messed up, that no one else in your industry has ever had a situation like this of their own. Let them know they're in good company, would you? I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace, and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?